on. Here we go. On three, two, one, uh, we are speaking with one of my favorite artists, the one and only Ricky Warwick. Of course, the new album is called When Life Was Hard and Fast, uh, coming out in early 2021. I, have, as I told you just before, have pre-ordered it from Japan because whether there's a bonus track or not, it's it's Ricky, and I got to get the best. And Japanese CDs are the best, so so there you go. And listen, uh, as we say in Montreal, bonjour. How are you? Bonjour. Comment allez-vous? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks, brother. I'm doing doing okay. Doing okay. Thank you. Yeah, I I, I see that you're doing a lot of the uh, online streaming shows, just you and a guitar, and we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But but let's get to this album. You know, I'm. I'm a huge fan of everything you've done. I'm a huge fan of, of you know, uh, what uh, Scott's done and what Damon Johnson, when he used to be. And I just, I love that sound. I love what you create. So so talk to me about this one. And and for folks who don't know, there's sort of an added bonus. It's it's almost as if you're the new lead singer for, for Buck Cherry, in a sense, because you've got, <laughs> you've got Xavier Muriel there and Keith. Uh, talk to me about how this little band came yeah, together. Yeah, you know. We joke that it's, it's it's Buckstar Riders that we made the album with because we'd <laughs> Robbie Crane play bass on it as well. So you got me and Robbie from obviously Blackstar Riders and Xavier and Keith from Buck Cherry. Um, you know the story really came about. I met Keith when Damon left Blackstar Riders and we were talking about replacements. Keith's name came up and I knew who Keith was, I, but we never met. And we met. We got together up in Barney's Beanery here in LA, and we chatted. And you know, and Keith would have been a great replacement for for Damon. Um, as it turned out, we got Christian, which is a whole other story, which is great. But Keith, you know, met out of interest and out of respect, but he'd already decided that he wanted to go into the songwriting production thing and didn't want to really tour anymore. One of the main reasons he left Buck Cherry. So I think as tempting as it was, he said, look, thank you for asking me, blah, 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 blah. But Keith and I hit it off and he said, let's get together and write a song. I said, sounds good. So I went over to his studio the following week. I had the the guts of um, the song Fighting Heart, played it to him, he loved it, and we finished it together. And it, we did the demo of it, and it sounded great. And I'm kind of going, you know, this guy should produce my record. We should do the record together. So I you know, I'm literally called him up and said, look, let's just do a record. Let's just do my next solo record. You produce it, we'll co-write the, the tunes together. And he went, I'm in. And that just evolved from that. We did a bunch of demos, and then when we came to record the album, he suggested, you know, we get Scavier down to play drums. And, uh, you know, I said, well, we got to get, you know, let's get Robbie in to play bass. He's my favorite bass player in the world. So let's get him in there. And that was it. It was really organic. It was really natural. It was really fun. And, uh, you know, Keith and I are, you know, firm friends. We sort of write, get together at least once a week um, to work on stuff. So, yeah, it was a good thing. Do you think at some point, though, there there might be a, a time where it becomes a band and becomes its own thing, not a Ricky Warwick solo album? And, and you and, and these guys just say, hey, we've got... A sound we we because they're you know they're great thank you uh, well you know i mean keith and i handled all the guitars in the studio right obviously you've got you've got a great rhythm section with with robbie and excavier there huh. i enjoy doing the solo thing i enjoy the revolving door of who's in the fighting hearts and not sticking to the same people you know i'm in black star riders and i'm very proud and love being a black star riders but I'm in a band where I have to respect four other people's opinions and all the democracy and the fighting and the argument. Not that there's much in Black Riders, but there's certain things that come with being in a band and that team player mentality. The solo stuff, 
Mitch just gives me a chance to be a total narcissist. And, and you know, I'm in a, again, going back to Black Sarayas, I'm in a band with two phenomenal guitar players. I love to play guitar, but I'm not going to get a look in with those guys. I bring my ideas in and, and, and give them to them. And, you know, they put the sparkle on it. And that's really the last I hear. And with this, I get the chance to play my guitars. I get the chance to, to, to do all the vocal. You know, it's just real, it's real narcissism. And it's something that I enjoy and I need that outlet, you know, yep. personally. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the about the solo career because when you look at uh, you know Stairwell Troubadour, which was the acoustic stuff, and you even covered a Britney Spears song, and you look at when Patsy Cline was crazy, and you look at Hard on Trees, and th- there's a very distinctive sound to each of them. And and I speak of experience because I'm a massive fan, and I have this 200 and whatever song playlist that I keep in my phone at all times. Is it important for you to not say the same thing? Because if you listen, you know, listen to "Love Many, Trust Few," that's almost a pop record in a sense. It has a bit more sort of an upbeat feel to it. And then, uh, is it important for you to to keep developing and not just regurgitate the same album and the same sound time after time? Absolutely, one hundred percent. I think you mentioned "Love Many, Trust Few." I mean, it's different scenarios in my life. I was spending a lot of time in Nashville around about the time of making that record. And I think you can hear that in the, in, in the sound in that record. Um, you know, Belfast Confetti is when I first really started writing about being Northern Irish and being from Northern Ireland. And I took that one step further on um, Patsy Cline when I worked with my, my good buddy, Sam Robinson. And we literally wrote two, two records about growing up in Northern Ireland and how it affected us and people and places from there. And, you know, this time around, I'm very aware of like, you know, okay, you know, I don't really sing about Northern Ireland at all in the new record because I've done it. I don't want people going, yeah, we get it, Ricky. We we know you're from Belfast. Yeah. You know, we know that, you know, so this time around, um, I took a sort of more different approach and more, for one of a better cliche, very rock and roll, very stripped down, very sort of Johnny Thunders, Tom Petty, just simplifying everything as much as I could lyrically and, and just more direct. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I like to approach every album with a different angle and try and, and give people something that they've not heard before. Well, which is a good thing. And, and just real quick, uh, Punching Thunder and Born Fighting from that album, Belfast Confetti, just Thank you know, you. classic tracks. Uh, Thank you very much. In terms of you as an artist right now, there are some artists that have to stay working. You know, Metallica can probably stay off the road for 10 years and, you know, Mick Jagger can probably stay off the road for 10 years. But what is it for you to not be able to go out and do the acoustic show or the acoustic show with Damon or or the, this or, or a Black Star Riders? What does it mean for you on every level, financially, mentally, physically, just to sort of sit at home and go, fuck, <laughs> I, I, I don't have a plan tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I think that's what I said when we went into it way back in March. I was like, fuck. But I'm quite, I think I'm quite a resilient person. And I thought, okay, this is happening. It's beyond my control. How am I going to embrace this and get the best out of it that I can? You know, I'm lucky in a situation that, that, that my wife is a very hard worker and she has a great job and she's able to do that fully from home. So this, we have an income coming in from that. Um, you know, obviously when you're playing a hundred plus shows a year and that's taken away from you financially, the fallout from that is massive. It is, it's huge. But, you know, 
there's a this, there's some money that comes in from 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 publishing and songwriting, which which I'm thankful for and is great. Um, and, you know, and that that's nice to see coming in every month. But I need to work, and the internet gave me the opportunity with the stage it shows to do the acoustic, um, uh, you know, on you know streaming shows live, which I've been doing, and they've been great. You know, they've 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 been pretty successful and and financially and just just you know artistically as well for me to be able to do those once a month has kept things moving and, and kept me busy. And, you know, I just hunkered down. I've, I've been writing more than I've ever, ever written. You know, if that were possible, I, I got to read all those books. I didn't read. I got to be home with my family for a full year, something I thought I'd never get to do. So I'm, I'm you know, trying to look at the positives out the whole thing, Mitch, and just trying to stay as positive as I can. Been writing with other people, been writing for other people, um, you know, just trying to be, as upbeat and, and keep moving forward as much as I can. But yeah, obviously not playing live is, is a huge wrench. Uh, it's got to be awful. And now creative, uh, creative, creatively, there we go. <laughs> I knew, <laughs> I, I knew I could say it. Uh, creatively though, does it, does it change? Because you know, when you're on the road and you see stuff happen or you're sitting alone in a hotel room, there, there's a different kind of inspiration. Sure. Is there a, is, have you been very active creatively other than just maybe writing songs for other people where you just go, okay, maybe there'll be two solo albums next year. Maybe there'll be two Black Rider, Black Star Rider albums. Like, right. is the create the creative process the same sort of being stuck in a quagmire as to being on the road and living life and going, oh, I can write about that. Oh, I can write about him. Oh, I can sure. write about, you know. Sure. It, personally, it's given me more time to reflect. Okay. on everything you know and i think that's good um i've had time to reflect on me who i am what i am what i think i am the, you know the impression that i have of myself my family my friends my life it's given me a lot of time to think about a lot of stuff um regards being creative you know the black star new black star writers album is written and it's demoed it's done we're just waiting to, to get the chance to go and record it i've already written and i'm in the process of demoing the next solo album so it's already done before good. this one's even out yet. It's good for me. You know, so, yeah, it, you know, the wheels keep turning. And, and I think what this whole pandemic thing has made a lot of us realize that life is really fucking short, really short. And to have a year yanked away from doing what you love in the way that you love doing it is a real eye opener. And uh, I think that spurred me on to be, you know, even more productive going, you know, we I ain't got, you know, I, who knows how many years we got left. So, I think that's given me a real kick up the backside uh, as regards just just writing even more and trying to get things finished. And I love to write. I love. I just love writing songs. I mean, I just love it. I just get inspired all the time, you know. And uh, it makes me really, really happy. And uh, I've I've had uninterrupted time this year to do that, which has been great. Yeah, it's great. And and more albums, the better. Uh, in terms of uh, the Almighty, you're doing the Ricky Warwick. Almighty Christmas acoustic lockdown show on December yep. 12th. And I'm just going to write here, does tickets, tickets available at stageit.com. Yes, um, the last time you came through this part of the world, Montreal, Ottawa, you were with Judas Priest and I, we had a conversation. I said, why don't you ever do a, a, the Almighty song? And you almost were taken aback and went, no, 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 no. Some things are better left in the past and we don't touch them. And, you know, and you almost seem annoyed. To be fair, you, you almost seem annoyed that I asked, um, which is fair, by the way. But but why the change of heart? And, and did you sort of look back and start reflecting on the Almighty and going, yeah, you know, let's... Well, there's two, yeah. There's, there's two things here, Mitch. You know, 
I think trying to recall a conversation, you thought, why don't we throw an almighty song in the Black Star Riders? And that's something that is a no-no for me because Black Star Riders is, we were trying to establish the identity of the band coming out of Lizzie. And, you know, we were slowly, obviously, cutting back on the amount of Lizzie songs right. we were playing where, where we had it to a point. Uh, and I was you know, telling you how important Bandage Knee was as a song and you needed to play yeah. it live again. <laughs> <laughs> but but solo-wise, I've always played almighty songs in my sets. Anytime I, I've toured solo-wise, there's always been almighty songs in my sets. Now, when I go out with the Fighting Hearts as well, um, my solo band, again, four or five almighty songs in the set. So it's not that I don't want to play them. It's just the environment has to be right. And I think it has to be more myself and not the Black Star Rider scenario. It has to be Ricky Warwick. And then I get the free reign to cover the sort of whole catalog. Um, I still love playing those songs. Um, I don't know if I would love going back and reforming the band and all the drama that comes with that. But, uh, you know, I think we we stood for something. We burned very brightly. Um, for, for had a great 10 years in that band. And, you know, it was, it was a, the foundation for everything that went on afterwards. Um, but, yeah, I, I have no problem revisiting those songs in the right, in the right environment. Absolutely not. Well, which is good. Uh, so let me just quickly ask you, since I'm on the almighty, you know, here's a band that had, you know, half a dozen, a dozen records, a lot of great songs, Bandage Need, uh, whatever, Jesus Loves You But I Don't, et cetera, et cetera, sure. et cetera. When you talk to somebody in the UK, whether it's Dave Ling at Classic Rock, they're like, man, I love this band, a great band. And and then you talk to an American, they go, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> you know, and it's the same with, with you know, with Gothard, with Thunder, there's a status quo even. Sometimes you go status because yeah. people go, I don't know. Why? Why didn't it translate to North American shores? Uh, and and you know, is it record company? Is it management? Is it just it's the wrong song for the wrong market? What's? You know, it wasn't for the one of trying. We we got off to a great start on the first couple of records. You know, we're over here. We did a couple of hit and run tours of of, of sort of New York and upstate New York, and we came over here. And I think we were the first European band to play Ricky Rackman's Cat House and. You know, we're number one at, at, at metal radio and concrete and back in all those good old days. And then it was, it's cliched as it sounds, the record company thing. You know, we weren't, we couldn't get on a tour. We, we, we wanted to get on a support tour. We just couldn't get on a tour. We eventually sort of acquiesced and did a, a three-month headline club tour in 93 when Power Tripping came out, which nearly killed us. The usual story, you know, the, the show in New York's packed, the show in LA's packed everywhere in between. You're playing to the, the bar staff and, you know, the three diehard fans that turn up. Um, and we just couldn't really, and you know, different people coming and going and the labels really hurt us as cheesy as that sounds. And I'm not trying to make excuses, but it did. And, you know, everywhere else in the world, you know, in Asia and, and all over Europe, the band's, you know, gaining ground and doing really well and selling records and playing great shows. And suddenly there's this huge country that we all wanted to, to break, we're all desperate to do well in America, and we just we just couldn't get arrested. And at some point, that you just got to go. Okay, well, you know, maybe we're just going to have to concentrate and where it's happening, and and that was really it. But definitely, um, we were certainly annoyed about it, um, and yeah. you know, certain, you know, we were. We 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 would have loved to have uh, done more in the United States of America, and you know, I certainly feel that we we should have and we could have, but everything just seemed to transpire against us, sadly. And listen, I'm guilty of it as well. You put out an album in 2000 called The Almighty, which was on, uh, I'm trying to think what label it was on. Anyway, but... So Sanctuary. Right. And and they approached me and they said, hey, we've got the blah, blah, they're back together. It's been a while. You want to do an interview? And I remember specifically thinking, well, who are they? 
Yeah. And, and then they explain gonna, they, they right, yeah. and and then they explain yeah. it they're like, oh, you're And then they they were great in the yeah. UK and number five with power tripping and 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 they had they literally had to school me as to who it was and and I wasn't that I was a dumb fan. It's just I was a North American sure. fan, and you just like sure, oh, but I, I'm glad I'm glad they schooled me because I have loved uh, all that Thank stuff. You. So I, I, you know. Um, is it similar in terms of what's going on with Black Star Riders? Because I know you go to the UK and you're on this festival and that festival and you're you're in Germany and, and everybody's happening. And then you come to North America and yes, you got the Judas Priest tour. But when you try to do sideshows and stuff, it suddenly has become, oh, well, it's the guy that was in Thin Lizzy. And, 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 and we're, we're sort of, is it the same kind of thing? Yes and no. It's different in that you have guys that are a lot older that cannot jump in a van for seven weeks and just go off and play clubs. We've got mortgages. We've got kids who, you know, you've got Scott who's, who's, who's phenomenal, but is getting up there in years. Um, you know, Scott's 70 next year. And you have to take all that into consideration. You know, when we tour in Europe and, and anywhere else, we make money and we can pay our bills and put food on the table and, and do well. When we come to the United States of America, we lose money, and 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 older. We're not prepared to do that with people with responsibilities and people that rely on us, and that's a simple fact. Um, the priest tour was great. Was, was great for us. It was it was really really good. They looked after us superbly on that tour, and it was a real honor to be part of that whole thing. Um, and it would have been great to come back and and, and do some some club shows um, sort of straight away, but we just you know we couldn't sadly just couldn't seem to get that together. Um, yeah, we just got to look at everything, you know. Um, responsibly now sadly because uh, that's where we're at let me you know, uh, we all live sorry mitch we all live we don't all live you know scott's in london right you know uh, christian's up in oregon you know it's only me and robin la chad's over in pennsylvania so the, the costs involved are, are, you know they're phenomenal of bringing people together and, and you know people rightly so want to take home money at the end of it being away from your family for six seven weeks you want to take home a chunk of change at the end of that and you know why not yeah and you know i i think that's what a lot of times fans seem to forget the economics. I was talking to Brian Tatler about bringing Diamond Head over. Sure. And I was sitting in this in the Brass Monkey in Ottawa and we were having this conversation. He goes, you know what? This is our first show of the North American tour and we're already $24,000 in the hole because we had to fly yeah. the whole staff over. We had to get permits. And you can't afford to be $24,000 in the hole, you know? And, and I think sometimes fans forget that they're like, "Well, Black Star Riders should play uh, North Dakota." And it's like, great, yeah. But but we got to fly it, Scott, it, you know. It's getting everybody together, you know, and, yeah. um, and the permits know, and and the permits and the visas. Now, I mean, you know, it isn't getting easier. The governments of the world are making these things harder. You know, I got Brexit about to kick in in Europe, which is going to be a nightmare for touring bands over there. You know, the cost of UK musicians musicians getting American work visas is astronomical. Always has been. You know, which is why a lot of European bands come over here and use American crews because they can't afford to bring their their own road crew with them. It's tough, you know. And like you said, before you've even played a chord, you're already you know, ten twenty grand in the hole with flights and expenses. So your first three or four weeks are making up that money, and it's only really the last probably two or three weeks that you'll you know you'll make money. And yep. sadly, you know, I, I you know when you've no responsibilities and when you are twenty twenty one, you don't care. You just you get the cheapest van, you stay in the cheapest motels. You know, you you stay up all night drinking because you're 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 invincible. It doesn't matter if you lose money; you make you make an impact and you get to play. But like I said, when you're older and people are relying on you and and you have bills to pay, sadly that 
that's that, that changes everything. Yeah, the, the good old tours of where you sleep is who, whoever groupie picked you up that night. You go, oh, <laughs> sleeping on her couch tonight. All right. Uh, before we uh, we move on here, the the Black Star Riders is one of the new bands, and for the lack of a better word, even though everybody's a veteran in it, but it's a new band that I just love. Uh, All Thank Hell's you. Breaking Loose, Killer Instinct, and it just go on. But the band has gone through lineup changes and lineup changes, which in a sense, has, has sort of refreshed the band every time. But on the other hand, it also keeps it away from being a band band. Talk to me about those changes and how, you know, getting rid of, uh, not getting rid of, but, you know, Marco moving on and Robbie coming in, it, it refreshes the water, but it keeps it from being this one unit. Right. Uh, just, just talk to me about that and, and how do you move forward with a new lineup all the time and just keeping it fresh and just keeping it a band? Great question. You know, again, I hate to bring it up, but definitely, it's definitely an, an older thing. It's people are older, and you know, I'll just say for the record, nobody's been fired from Black Star Riders. Everybody's uh, maybe maybe that's not good. Maybe I said something about me. Everybody's left of their own accord, you know. Um, and uh, you know, we didn't want them to leave at the time, but they've made the reasons, you know. And, and people leave for for, for for different reasons. Marco wanted to go play with the Dead Daisies. Dead Daisies. Uh, you know, Jimmy wanted to go and play some shows with Rat. Damon wanted to get back to being a front man, writing his own songs, touring on his schedule. I respect all that. Um, I, I don't see why we should give up. I don't see why if we're writing songs and we still feel current and passionate and we're still into it, why should you give up just because somebody leaves? What, what, why should you stop? Because somebody says you should? No. I mean, you know, we, we every time that's happened, we've ridden out the storm. We've gone, okay, you know, who can we bring in to to uh, you know, keep this thing solidified and, and keep pushing forward. And we've been lucky that we've done that. The people that have come into the band have been amazing. You know, Robbie, Robbie Crane coming in was, was a game changer. Robbie's unbelievable. And, you know, I'm so close to Robbie just personally as a friend and, and, and as a confidant and Black Star Riders. I, I just, you know, he's been great. He's been a huge breath of fresh air for the band. You know, Chad Saliga coming in, what an amazing drummer, what a, what a lovely human being. You know, and then Christian coming in, who's an entirely different guitar player. Damon's so dynamic, but so is Christian in a totally different way. And it just, again, it just fitted. It gave us a kick up the backside. You know, we know, I think we bring people in what's going to work. And 50% of it's personality and being able to hang and being able to fit in. And, and as well as obviously being a great musician. And everybody we've brought in has that in abundance. And, uh, you know, it still feels like we've got unfinished business. To me, it still feels vital. I still feel we've got something to say. I still think we've got shows to play. I still think we've got songs to write. When that goes away, that will be the time for me to stop. You know, when your heart's not in it more, that's when you st- My heart's in it, 100%. So why should well, I stop? Well, I hope you, I mean, I, I hope you continue because I look at the four albums and they've all got these incredibly cr- classic tracks on it. It's it's a sound that I love and, and it, it works and you know, Thank keep you. going. Now, uh, before we leave, th- there was talk, or, or, or over the last few years, you've done these one-and-off uh, Thin Lizzy shows. Uh, now, of course, the pandemic has sort of wiped out any kind of potential planning for anything. But are we done done with Thin Lizzy, or will there be a, whatever, a 45th anniversary show, or a 50th, I mean, wherever we are in the anniversaries? Is that still something that's on the table where we might just go to Donington or whatever festival is going to be left and, and just say, hey, for today, we're Thin Lizzy. For today, we're doing, you know, Rosalie and we're doing, you know, we're not doing Black Star Riders. We're not doing uh, Bloodfire in Love. 
right? I think so. I think I think Scott will always want to play those songs, and rightly so. I mean, I very much take the role of just I'm happy. Well, I'm elated to be there and sing those songs. Everything else I kind of leave up to Scott. It's his thing. Um, and, you know, if Scott wants to do it and wants me to sing, I will be there with bells on. Absolutely. Um, and I think I think there will be a few more one-offs. Um, you know, I think Scott, like I said, they're his songs that he wrote with Phil and the boys. He's invested in them and he loves to play them. And, and why shouldn't he? And uh, so, yeah, I can, I can certainly see as long as Scott wants to, wants to do it and he wants me to sing, I will be there. You'll be there. Now, uh, just uh, speaking of Scott, when you did the, some of the last uh, Thin Lizzy shows, you had Tom Hamilton, you had Scott Travis. What was that like having like this massive power metal guy with you? And then, of course, Tom Hamilton, who is easily, to me, the most underrated bass player. You cannot think of Walk This Way or Sweet Emotion and go, oh, it's all about Stephen and Joe Perry. It's like, no, it's all about Tom Hamilton. So... I mean, that was one of those moments for me where you've got, you're on stage and you look around and you see Scott Gorham and you see Tom Hamilton and you've got Scott Travis behind you and you're like, wow. Um, I mean, that was the 2016 lineup when we went out and did those shows. Uh, and again, just amazing players. Tom is such a sweetheart of a guy and, you know, arguably one of the greatest bass lines of all time at the start of Sweet Emotion. You know, he's going to argue with that. Last year when we went out and did some Lizzie shows, we did the Black Rose album. Uh, we had Troy from Mastodon playing bass. And you know, he was, again, phenomenal. I'm a huge Mastodon fan. And, and Troy's just such a, a great musician and a great guy. So the pedigree the, the, and the respect and the love for Thin Lizzie that these guys have, and then they, they bring that to the table and they're playing those songs. It's just wonderful, you know. Um, and you know, obviously Scott and Damon just work so well together doing all the chill guitar harmonies. So it's a real pleasure to be part of it it's a real honor to be part of it and it's really easy because those guys make it easy because their playing is so great you know yeah it really is. is yeah it's 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 wonderful and it's just a great thing and i think uh you know like i said you can see scott bristle with pride when he's playing those songs you know they, they mean so much to him as 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 they as rightly they should well, and, and uh, they mean a lot to music fans as well i mean you you, you know, you, you listen to John Bon Jovi talk about his love for Thin Lizzy and he's covered Jailbreak and he's covered The Boys yeah. Are Back in Town. And you go, wow, when the biggest band in the world, arguably at that from the 80s, is telling you that these songs are special, you you, you sort of yeah. go, yeah, okay, I, I'm, I'm paying attention. So They are. I mean, there's so much in them and there's so much to them and Phil's poetry is just so beautiful and, and unique. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's nobody like them, and there never will be anybody like them. And and you know, to me, that needs to be celebrated. And I think that's what we try to do when we go out and do the Lizzie stuff. It's a celebration of all things Phil and all things Lizzie. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, Ricky Warwick. When life was hard and fast, uh, coming out uh, in early 2021, and I picked up my Japanese version. I have already prepaid for it. That's what I do. Uh, you got to support the bands, uh, Ricky. Always, always a pleasure. And uh, hopefully, thank you, Mitch. Hopefully, the clouds of COVID will uh, will lift, and uh, you can come back to Montreal, or I can go out to LA, and people can just go see shows again because uh, we need it. Well, that's the plan. I'm planning on doing some fighting heart shows. Um, you know, North America side next year for sure. Um, it's a lot easier for me to tour the fighting hearts um, than it is sadly Black Star Riders, um, just just because that's just the way that it is. But I'm definitely planning doing some fighting heart shows. Good. And do you think uh, Keith and uh, Xavier will join you, or you're going to have to? Uh, 
Who knows? Who know? Who knows? I will certainly ask those guys. It would be great to have them along. I mean, I think there's, you know, there's if it's over here in North America, there's definitely more chance of them, you know, obviously do, doing some shows Talking over in. here because it's. Yeah. Which means you're going to have to learn some Buck Cherry songs now. <laughs> Can you, Ricky Warwick singing "Lit Up"? Come on! I don't know. I'll, I'll leave that to Buck Cherry, man. That's their thing. <laughs> Great band. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. As we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Thank you, Mitch. Always, so always a pleasure. Brother. Cheers. And folks, Thank pick you. up the album. Buy it. Don't stream it. Buy Thank it. you. Cheers. All right, perfect. Let me 